At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our series, Newish. Everything's changed. Have you? Where we're celebrating that in Christ, we have been given new life. The only question is, are you living it? Let's turn to Romans chapters 5 through 7 to decipher whether we're living in Christ's freedom or trapped in the patterns of our old life. continue to worship God as we open his word together. And as we began last week, we are in the book of Romans, or more accurately, Paul's letter to the church in Rome. That's really what this is. This is a a letter. It can come off as a theological treatise, but it is a pastor writing a letter to a group of Christians in Rome, to a church in Rome. So really the first big chunk of the book of Romans is chapters 1 through 3. Chapters 1 through 3. And in, that, and in those chapters, um, Paul's essential message is, in sin, we are condemned. In Christ, we are justified. In sin, we are condemned before God. In Christ, we are justified before God. That's Romans chapters 1 through 4. Romans chapter 1 through 3, he lays out our condemnation. In the middle of chapter 3 through the end of chapter 4, he lays out our powerful, really powerful chapters of Scripture. And then we saw last week, starting in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, that Paul's point is we are, we are justified in Christ and so much more. Our legal justification before God is only the beginning of his rich blessings for us in our salvation. Um, we have peace with God. Um, we have joy in suffering. Uh, we have joy in future glory. Um, we have certainty of our future hope because of the Holy Spirit in us and because of Christ's work on the cross. He's, he, he elaborates on the benefits we have but we are in Christ. Justification is only the beginning. And the rest of the verses in uh, chapter 5, chapter 5, verses 12 through 21, Paul is, in a way, zooming all the way out on the scope of human history. Um, and he, he, he's looking at the, this large swath of God's work through the timeline of history. And it's really a summation of everything he said in Romans chapter 1 through Romans chapter 5. Because he's really going to turn a direction. Romans 6 starts a, starts a new section of the letter. So as he summarizes these first five chapters, he almost zooms out on all of human history in order to lay this out as clearly as possible. It is power-packed. I mean, this argument is tightly woven, but I'm going to try to uh, unwind it for us as best I can. So let's read these verses. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of our God. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For indeed, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law, and yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through the one man's trespass, 
much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who is your representative? Who is your representative? Now, when you hear that question, your mind likely goes to our governmental leaders in the U.S. Congress. And what I'm getting at isn't exactly the same, but it's close-ish. So let's run with it. As you guys know, One of the deeply embedded aspects of the American political system is representation. We declare that we are a nation ruled of the people, by the people, for the people, and yet, despite that bold declaration that we are self-ruled, we actually follow a governmental system of representation. Our representatives, whether they be the president or governor or senator or member of Congress, it's them who, in a sense, stand in our place. They represent us in order to draft, execute, and adjudicate the laws of our country and state. All of us are collectively represented in this way. But it's not just in government. In a sense, every group has someone who represents them. So think about the phrase, he's the face of the organization. When we say someone is the face of an organization, we mean this one person represents a collection of persons. And what that one person says or does has bearing for the whole group. So if the face of the organization screws up, it makes the whole organization look bad. If he does well, it makes the whole group look well. Because he's their representative. He's their face. So who's your representative? Not just in a governmental sense, not just in a familial sense, not just in a corporate sense or any other group, but who is your representative, spiritually speaking? Because just as we are represented in government by our elected officials, just as we are represented in our families by our parents, just as we are represented In our work by our bosses or executives, so also we are represented spiritually by one of two individuals. 
Before God, we have a representative head or face, and according to Romans 5, it is only one of two different individuals. We are represented spiritually. In other words, we have a representative before God that it is either one of two individuals. Which one of these two represents you? Is the question God is asking us today. So in these first few verses, Paul is going to introduce us to the first of these two options. And he's going to say, in Adam, death reigns. In Adam, death reigns. That's the first of our two representative options. Adam, the first man, and in him, death reigns. So listen again to the first few verses of our scripture, starting in verse 12. Paul writes, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. So Paul, of course, is referring to the Genesis account. In the beginning, God created the world, and he also created man. But the first man, Adam, sinned against God. God had said, the whole garden is yours to enjoy. The whole garden and everything in it is yours to enjoy, Adam, but this one thing is off limits. And Adam crossed that limit. He crossed that boundary. He transgressed the boundary set by God. And God had warned Adam, when you, if you, cross this boundary you will die. And Paul is referencing all of that in verse 12 when he says, sin came into the world through one man and death came into the world through sin. But notice how the one man's actions have consequences for all men. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So Adam, as the head of humanity, the representative face of humanity, his action and the consequence of his action spread to all those he represents. Death spread to all men through one man. Paul continues in verses 13 and 14. He says, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law, and yet death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. So what Paul is doing here is proving his point that death spread to all men through one man, Adam. So what he says is that before the law of Moses was given in Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, before the Ten Commandments were given through Moses, sin was not counted. From the time of Adam until the law of Moses, which was presumably centuries worth of time, if not longer, there was no divine law yet revealed to humanity. Humanity did not know exactly, precisely, the will of God for how they were to live because the law hadn't been given to Moses yet. And yet, Paul says, what happened to those people? What happened to those people between that time of Adam and Moses? They died. Death reigned 
Paul says, from the time of Adam until the time of Moses. But why? How? Those people's sins didn't count because there was no law to count them by, right? So they shouldn't die, right? Paul says no. They still died because their representative before God was Adam. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. Everyone died from the time of Adam to Moses, even when there was no law. In Adam, all die. In 2001, the largest example of white-collar criminal activity hit the headlines. If you were around back then, you probably remember the Enron scandal. Enron was an energy company based out of Houston that acted in all sorts of financially and economically mischievous ways in order to cheat people out of billions upon billions of dollars. There's a really good podcast called American Scandal that tells the story. American Scandal is the name of the podcast. But here's the thing out. Here's the thing that sticks out as you listen to the story. Enron had thousands of employees. Thousands of employees across this country and employees across the world. Thousands of them. But as it relates to this scandal, only a handful of men at the very top really knew what was going on. CEO Ken Lay, COO Jeff Skilling, and another executive named Andrew Fastow. It was these three, the heads of the company, the face of the organization, who carried out these acts of deception, fraud, and injustice. And yet, the consequences of their action spread to all within the organization. Almost overnight, thousands of employees' 401k accounts evaporated. Altogether, billions of dollars in retirement savings earned over the course of decades of work, gone, wiped out because of the actions of their representative heads. And so it is for the representative head who stands over all of humanity, Adam. From our first father, we have all inherited death, the legacy of the first man is that every man after him dies, just as he did. Now you may say to yourself, this isn't fair. Just as it wasn't fair to those Enron employees to suffer, so I shouldn't have to suffer because of Adam. But this is why it's so important who represents us. Because in a mysterious way, we're united with, we're connected with the one who represents us. And where they go, we go. When they prosper, we prosper. When they blow it, we suffer with them. This is true for our parents in relation to our families. This is true for our bosses in relation to our workplace. This is true in our country as it regards our elected officials. This is true for the coaches of our favorite sports teams. The head of the organization represents us and is connected to the rest of the organization. And so it is with Adam over humanity. So it is with Adam over each one of us. We will die just as he did. And there is so much beautiful diversity amongst humanity. 
My wife and I saw the newest Marvel movie last night, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and there is so much beauty in the culture and the landscape of East Asia and China depicted in that movie. So much beautiful diversity amongst humanity and creation. Our appearances, our languages, our culture, our perspectives, our dress, many beautiful differences. But there is one commonality we share. We all together die because we are all together under Adam. In Adam, death reigns. But notice what, again what Paul says there at the end of verse 14, the very end. He says, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. Ah, so he's almost already hinting at that there's another option. The coming one, the one who was to come, the one who was to come after Adam, and we're going to see him lay out that, of course, it is Jesus. That's our second of two options by whom we can be represented before God. In Adam, death reigns. In Jesus, grace reigns. In Jesus, grace reigns. So starting again there in verse 15, Paul writes, But the free gift, or it could say the free grace of Jesus, the free gift is not like the trespass of Adam. For if many died through the one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by that grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So you see what he's done here. On the one hand, he says in verse 14, he says that Adam was a type of the one to come. In other words, there's a similarity between Jesus and Adam as the two options for who can represent us before God. But on the other hand, the free gift of Christ is not like the transgression of Adam. And here's the difference. If many died through Adam's trespass, much more has the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus, abounded for many. So this is remarkable. As far as death spread, which is really far, right? Because everyone dies. Nevertheless, much more has grace and the free gift of life abounded for many through Jesus. So hear this, church. There is more grace in God than there is death in the world. And there's a lot of death in the world. But Paul says, much more does grace abound. Verse 16, he continues this contrast between Adam and Jesus. And the free gift of Jesus is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many of our trespasses brought justification. So Paul says it only took one sin by the head of humanity to bring condemnation on all of humanity. But the free gift of Jesus, followed by many of humanity's sins, it nevertheless brought justification from all of our sin. In Adam, after one sin, condemnation. In Christ, after many of our sins, justification. 
Verse 17, he continues along these same lines. He says, for if, because of the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So death reigned in Adam over us, but much more will we reign in life through the one man, Jesus. And it's not because we earned it. It's not because we were good enough. No, he says it is for those of us who, quote, receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. So that's it. To be out of Adam and in Christ means that we have received grace and the free gift of righteousness. So it's not with clenched fists, fighting for God's favor, earning our way that we overcome death and reign in life. No, it is with open hands in this humble posture of receptivity that we receive grace and the free gift of righteousness in Christ. Verse 18, he continues. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Adam ate from the fruit of the tree leading to condemnation for all of us. Jesus was nailed to another kind of tree, the cross, leading to justification for all of us. Verse 19, for as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. In Adam, we are sinners. In Jesus, we are righteous. Our identity Our status is determined by our representative. So similarly, go back to the Enron example and the corporate business analogy. Those Enron employees, you could say, in Kenneth Lay, they are broke. They are bankrupt. Now, if they had worked for Amazon, you could say, in Jeff Bezos, they are wealthy. They are rich. And so it is for whether or not we are in Adam or Jesus. By the one man, we are made sinners. By the other man, we are made righteous. So verse 20, Paul concludes with, I think, one of the most underrated verses in all of the Bible. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Paul says, Now the law of God came in to increase the trespass. So what Paul is reaffirming here is that the law of God does not make us righteous. Instead, the law just exposes our sin and makes our sin count legally because we are breaking expressly communicated laws from God where the law came in to increase the trespass. But, and here's the underrated part, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. This means there is more grace in God than there is sin in the world. 
Isn't it easy to complain about all the sin in the world? It's easy to complain about all the sin in us. But we gotta remember and our hearts and our feelings and our joy has to be shaped by this truth. There is more grace in God than there is sin in the world. Man, I got sin coming out of my ears. I am up to my neck in sin. So if there is any shortage of grace in God, then I'm going to test it. But the apostle says it won't work. You cannot out God's grace. God's grace is greater than our sin. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Where Adam's sin spread, God's grace spread even further. Romans chapter 5, verse 21, so that, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Adam, death reigns. In Jesus, grace reigns. Grace rules over sin and death leading to life eternal. So here's the question each one of us has to answer. In Adam, death reigns. In Jesus, grace reigns. In you, who reigns? In other words, as we said at the start, who represents you? Who represents you before God? Adam, the sinner, the man of death, Or Jesus, the righteous one, the man of grace and life. Friends, I urge you to pledge your allegiance to Jesus. Turn from sin and death. Trust in what he has done for you. You don't have to earn God's favor. We can't earn God's favor. Instead, trust in what he's done for you. Jesus did what Adam failed to do. Jesus did what all of us have failed to do. As Adam's children, Jesus lived a life of unblemished righteousness and joy and strength. And then Jesus died the death we deserved, taking upon himself the curse of our sin and death. That's what Jesus did for the likes of us. Trust in what he has done for you. And humbly receive this gift of life and righteousness. In 2005, Politico, the news outlet, reported that 77% of Americans aged between 18 and 34 could not name either one of their U.S. senators or who their U.S. congressperson was. 77% could not name any of them. Now, we may shake our heads at the lack of civic awareness. We may say it's a shame that so many of us don't know who represents us in Congress. But it is a tragedy of eternal consequence not to know who represents you before God. Do you know? It is either one of two options. Adam or Jesus? Trust in Jesus. Receive grace and live.
May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning humbled as we reflect on the universality of death. This weekend, especially in light of 20 years ago, we especially feel that death has spread to all men. And so, Father, we come before you humbled. We come before you silenced as we think about this shared experience that all of us are heading towards. And God, we lament the trajectory of humanity because of sin, because of our first father, and because of each one of our contributions since. In Adam, we are sinners. We humbly confess. And yet, God, Paul is also expounding upon and celebrating your gracious heart and your purpose to show more grace than we could ever send. Your purpose to show and spread grace even further than death has spread over the history of humanity. And so, God, our hearts are joyful too. Meet us here, Father, and help us open our hearts to receive grace, to receive your love, to receive your power that overcomes our sin, that overcomes death. Hear us, God, as we collectively, with one voice, say, thank you, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.